1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS.
0: It is Cowboys week. Before we get into this game, of course, kicking off at 425 on Sunday. I remind you, we're brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. Greg, let's start here. How good are the Cowboys?
1: They're pretty good, Nick. I mean, I they're 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 better than a lot of uh incarnations of this team that we've seen in recent years. Um certainly a vast departure from the Jason Garrett years. Uh much improved from Mike McCarthy's first season. Uh this is a pretty formidable team. And I think I think the thing that stands out when you watch them on film is uh they're almost the anti Patriots in a sense, Nick, in that. There's speed all over the place. Um, yeah. Probably the only place I would say that they lack speed when I watch them is tight end. Uh, they're a little bit ordinary at tight end. Um, you still effective, but effective. But they're, you know, they're receivers. I mean, Amari Cooper isn't the fastest guy in the world, and I'm not the big. I've never been the biggest Amari Cooper fan. I think that he checks out at times when things get tough. But in terms of route running and professional receiving. He's great. C.D. Lamb brings the explosive element. Uh, you know they have the running game. The offensive line is not as good as it used to be, Nick. But the running game, the way that Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator there, has worked it, is very impressive. And they they have two running backs. You know, I'm, I'm sure there are Patriots fans are out there who are like, oh. I remember what it was like to have two running backs that you could use and be very effective and not have to worry about who was in the doghouse or who was fumbling this week. Uh, but between Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, two excellent backs, a little bit different styles. So they're h- hard to adjust to. Pollard's a little bit more of a scat back. Uh, and then defensively, I think the thing that stands out is just how fast they play Nick. I mean, they again, I think in a lot of ways they're sort of the anti patriots. It's like it's like they're you know the um, uh, what was it called in Seinfeld when they were the bizarro? You know, they're the bizarro patriots, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that they're like you know, you have the, the neophyte pocket quarterback, you have the experience, you know, somewhat experienced, you know, athletic explosive quarterback in Dak Prescott. Uh, you have a full house backfield, you have weapons who work well within the system out their rear end on defense. You have speed. The Patriots have none. Uh, I will say the Patriots are probably better on the defensive interior when all things are, are, are equal, when they're playing well. And, you know, the, the secondary can be challenged. I mean, they have Tra- Trayvon Diggs, who leads the league in interceptions um, at cornerback. The Patriots have JC Jackson. So they're both sort of in the same ballpark. But yeah, in a lot of ways, I think they're the bizarro Patriots. And this is going to be a very tough challenge.
0: Yeah, they got good talent on both sides of the football, especially offensively. You highlighted some of those guys. We'll get more deeper into that, uh, or we'll get deeper, not more deeper, deeper into that in in a couple of minutes. But I also think, you know, the coordinators deserve a lot of love here on this team, too. I think Kellen Moore does a tremendous job with the offense. We'll talk about that more. And Dan Quinn, a guy that was much maligned after his time in Atlanta, uh, he's kind of flipped the script on this defense. We'll get into that as well. Do you feel when you watch these guys Greg that they're like the same old Cowboys or do you feel like there's uh, some difference here?
1: I feel that there's a little bit difference. I mean, look, Mike McCarthy and I love Mike. I have you know, I I covered him in Green Bay. Um I have a personal fondness for Mike, uh, you know, as a person. I've always been critical of him as a coach, uh, especially in his game management. Sometimes yep. he gets a little bit too cocky, but in in the game management, Nick is still an issue. If anybody's watched any Cowboys games, I mean, he, he, they, they have a lot of bad fluffs in terms of game management. And so that's an advantage for the Patriots that they can exploit. That being said, Mike McCarthy has come into or, or they, they've had two matchups with the Patriots in the past eight years when Mike was with the Packers. Uh, Mike brought Matt Flynn in Aaron Rodgers was hurt and they almost beat the Patriots that day. Uh, that was the Dan Connolly kickoff return game. Oh if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> and then uh, a few years ago, uh, we did get the Rodgers Brady matchup that we were all looking for finally, and and the Packers came out ahead. So and Bill has talked glowingly about Mike McCarthy in the past, and the way he greets him at games, you could tell that he respects Mike McCarthy. I, I do think that what you brought up about the coordinators, I think that Kellen Moore has sort of kept Mike McCarthy from being too much Mike McCarthy. I think yep. that that he, there's a lot of fingerprints. I mean, what he's done with that offense, the 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 creativity that he's brought, that was part of Mike's problem down the stretch in, in Green Bay. They got yep. too way too stale on offense. Uh, they they ran last week they ran some nifty fake shotgun play. I don't even know what it was, but it was it was nothing Mike McCarthy came up with. I could tell you that much. And so Kellen Moore's done a great job. And and Nick, here's probably the most um, the most surprising thing to me, watching them on film. And we'll get into it a little bit deeper when we talk about the defense. But Dan Quinn, we all know Dan Quinn, former Seahawks, cover three defensive coordinator, Atlanta Falcons head coach, managed the game terribly in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, blew it, not just running the ball and kicking a field goal. We all know that. We all know the scheme, and I've written about it for years, probably more than anybody else, about how the Patriots basically stomped and killed the, the Seattle version of the Cover Three. Um, Quinn's evolved a lot. They play a lot more man than they used yep. to. They, they. I would, I would say that Cover Three is probably their third or fourth uh, highest repped defense. I would say they're a lot more Cover One man. Uh, I would say you see more Cover Four uh, quarters coverage than you do cover three. So they've evolved a lot. And, and yet Dan has still another guy that I really respect a lot. Dan has the way he's done. It has enabled the the Cowboys to play faster on defense and it's, and it's embraced their speed. And so they're not fighting it and they're using it. And it's, it's tough.
0: When I talk about the same old Cowboys, I just feel like that's more a post season thing than regular season thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think regular season-wise, this team, as we've talked about already, is, is talented. They're easily the best team in that division, and I think they'll be in the conversation as we get closer to the playoffs as a team that's dangerous. I have the Mike McCarthy questions. I have seen, again this year, as you mentioned, kind of hit on way too many boneheaded decisions that make absolutely zero sense. His clock management is awful. He just he doesn't really understand when to use timeouts, when not to use timeouts, the manipulation of the clock, uh, you know how to how to maybe handle a game late in the game if it's close. You know, do you run? Do you pass? When do you do that? I just think one of the biggest obstacles for this team as they get into the postseason because I think if they stay healthy, they're winning this division and they get into the playoffs one of the biggest obstacles is absolutely going to be Mike McCarthy. That's actually my biggest question about this team right now is the head coach? Is he going to screw it up? I mean, you remember Seattle green Bay years ago, that was a disastrous second half for him when he decided, even though he had Aaron Rodgers on the road and they had a lead that he was going to try to run the football a billion times and allowed Seattle to come right back into that game. So I always have the Mike McCarthy question and that will remain. Let's look at, and, and Oh, one more point about Dan Quinn. You mentioned this, how he's evolved. And and the story is fascinating. He pretty much walked into Dallas and said, hey, you know, what I did with Atlanta, what we did in Seattle, we're throwing it out. We're throwing that stuff in the garbage for the most part. And what he did was he actually asked his defensive defensive coaching staff to build the playbook with him. And what they did was they took a look at that roster and they accentuated guys' strengths, which is what you brought up, the speed element Mm -hmm. of the defense. And he said, no, we're going to actually we're going to mold and craft this playbook around the players and who we have and what they do best. And I think he has taken big time steps from when we've seen him the last time as a D.C. and even as a head coach in Atlanta. Let's drill down more on this offense. What do you see when you look at this Dallas offense from the offensive line out to the wide receivers?
1: Okay. So with the offensive line, we all know that, I don't know, as recently as four or five years ago, or even a little bit longer. And I actually went to sports illustrated to do a story on this is that they had the best offensive line in the league. Yep. Um, the personnel has changed a lot, you know, Travis Frederick, I, you know, I, I, there's been a couple of injuries and in retirements. Like it's hard for me to keep track, but the guys like Travis Frederick aren't there anymore. Um, I will say that, you know, Uh, uh, Tyron Smith, um, the left tackle when he's healthy, he's still probably the left best left tackle in the game. The problem with him is he's never healthy. Yeah. Um, He's not on the, I just looked, he's not on the injury report this week. So that's good for them. He slowed down a little bit, so he's not quite as dominating, but he's just, he's incredible. I mean, I, I I just, (laughs) I want to see, I want to see like chase Winovich, like, you know, just being used to go up against Tyron Smith to take him up. And it's just like. You know, running when you're a little kid running into your big brother and you just keep getting knocked <laughs> down. That's what this is gonna be like. Uh I, I think that the left guard, uh Connor Williams has done a good job. He's solid. Uh Zach Martin, uh, we all know the right guard has been elite for a very long time. Uh he's back to playing at that level. The the guy who's been the 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 biggest surprise, Terrence Steele, uh has sort of been an injury replacement and he's been a revelation at right tackle. Now, I I won't tell you he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he's pretty damn good. I would say the weakness in the Dallas line and I think where the if you're the Patriots you're looking to exploit them is at center with uh with Tyler I don't even know how to pronounce it Batis, uh at at center. He's a little bit weak, a little bit slow. Yes. Uh but but it's all it's all coordinated really well. Um You know, there aren't any huge weaknesses up front, but, you know, they they will have some busts every now and again. The running game is the big thing that we talked about. Um, You know, Dak, Dak is exactly the type of quarterback that the Patriots always have issues with. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson, those athletic quarterbacks who who are probably better throwers than they are runners. Um, The Patriots have always had issues with those guys, especially when plays break down um, you know, the running game with Zeke and Tony Pollard, it's a two headed monster. And, and if, you know, they are not afraid to go away from Zeke, they, they, this is, you know, Nick, you probably, you probably watch more Cowboys games than I did in the past. I mean, there were times with Jason Garrett when, you know, it's Zeke, it's Ezekiel Elliott. So he's Zeke and he's getting paid the most money. So we're just going to run him into the line no matter what, and no matter what it does to our, they don't do that anymore. If it ain't working with Zeke and they need a faster back, Tony Pollard's going to get more carries in this game, and he's going to get more touches in the pass game. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb, he, he talented, inconsistent. He'll have some drops. Cooper, um, great route runner. I question his toughness a little bit. Cedric Wilson in the slot is pretty good. Uh, good speed, a four-four-eight guy coming out. Uh, so, it, and the tight end. Uh, Schultz. Solid, slow. Um, you know, I would say he's a lesser sort of Hunter Henry type tall guy that you're going to have to match up with. That's a little bit tough for the Patriots, smaller safeties like Duggar and Phillips. You might want to think about using, I don't know if I want to say this, Juwan Williams on him a bit at times just because of the height um, matchup there, but a very formidable unit, Nick. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean the offensive line is not top three worthy right now, but they're right. much better than they were last year, and they've been pushing piles and they've been doing some hard work up front. I think their O line is good. It's certainly been better than the Patriots O line early this season. Zeke Pollard, that combination is deadly if you don't contain them at least somewhat. Uh, I, I do think you know Pollard is is more likely to hit hurt you on the perimeter. He's more able to, you know, get outside and kind of explode than Zeke is. But don't get it twisted. Pollard can run between the tackles, and he's done that the last couple of weeks. It's yeah. just, you know, they, they will u- utilize him on the outside more than they utilize Zeke. Zeke can catch the football. Pollard can catch the football. Pollard, the difference with him as far as being, you know, like a scat back type, people sometimes will say, oh, third down back. He's not the best blitz pickup guy. So Zeke is usually out there on third down, but their running backs are really good. Cooper's good. Lamb is explosive. You got to make sure that you GTFB against that guy. Schultz, I agree with you. You know, he's, he's not explosive, and it really stands out when you watch this offense because everybody else is. Yeah. But Schultz is a guy that can kill you if you don't pay attention to him. And so the Patriots have to make sure that they have him bottled up somehow, some way, because he's the dude on Sunday that on a third and seven that's critical he pops one open for 15 yards and you're shaking your head. So you got to keep an eye on Schultz. And I also like that you brought up Cedric Wilson because he kind of explodes at me on the mm-hmm. television when he gets the football. He's very difficult to deal with because of his quickness. And that's yep. another guy. You know, if you're if you're too focused on Coop and Lamb, Schultz and Wilson can hurt you and then they run the football. So there's a lot of ways this offense can attack you. Kellen Moore does a great job with pre-snap movement. Some trickery, as you brought up. This is not Mike McCarthy's offense. This is Kellen Moore's offense. And I think he gets more creative by the day. And he trusts in Dak. And if you slept on Dak, you slept on the wrong guy. He's a bona fide top six to eight quarterback in this league. He might be just outside the top five. He's really good. He's really smart. He's really athletic. And he's big. This offense is tough. How about the defense,
1: Greg? Uh. Yeah, and one thing I did want I, I just want to talk about Dak for a second, and, and maybe we do defense after the break. But, uh, you know, to, to expand on Dak, because I think, it's, I think it's worth it, and I think he's earned it, uh, and you sort of touched on it. I've been immensely impressed with the way he's come back from, you know, a devastating ankle injury. I mean, I couldn't believe that they – after he didn't even practice all that much in training camp, if you watch Hard Knocks, I'm sure a lot of people did, for him to get out there opening night against the defending super bowl champions. And basically they're like, we're not going to run the ball. We're just going to go shotgun five wide with Dak. And he lit them up. Yep. I mean, that was incredible to me. And, and that wasn't just a one-off. That's what they've been doing. He's been in, he's been incredible. I mean, I, I would say, you know, it's between him and Russell Wilson as sort of the biggest quarterback draft misses, you know, since Brady, um, as far as NFL teams and, and look, I, I was a little bit higher on Dak. I definitely miss on Russell Wilson. I I'll freely admit that. And at least I was in company with, you know, every NFL team, including the teams that picked them because they didn't think that they were going to be any a, instant starters anytime soon, but right. he's just his, his, I think that, you know, Nick, you talked about, are they the same old Cowboys and that sort of thing? I think that the difference is Dak. Like, I think, the team takes the persona of Dak Prescott and that guy is tough as nails. He's confident. He doesn't get down a lot, uh, very often at all. Um, he's not perfect, but man, I think like when you look for a leader to lead your football team, you know, like in the modern age, I think that Dak is like one of those guys in the top three that you look at and they be like that and say, that's what it looks like. That's what it's supposed to look like. And I think, He's been, he's been the biggest difference maker to me. I think he, you know, Mike is Mike, but with Dak running the room, uh, it really helps. And it's almost, I, I think you could say it's almost similar to Brady and Belichick, where, you know, Belichick is Belichick, and we all know he's great. But, like, you know, having Brady to lead the team and that, that, that the whole team can say, all right, we're down or whatever, or we're struggling, but Dak's going to get us out of it or Tom's going to get us out of it. I think that's invaluable, and I think he's one of those rare, rare guys that has that.
0: And I don't want to get too deep into, you know, personal life and all of that on this podcast, but if you want to do the research, Dak has been through some stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, I think those personal things, losing somebody uh, close to him, uh, you know, I think those kinds of things build character. And I think, you know, when Dak plays, he plays for the enjoyment of the game. It sounds cliche, but it's true. He kind of embraces challenges. It's very tough to rattle that guy. And he'll, he's willing. You said it. He's tough. He's willing to take hits in that mm-hmm. Tampa game. You know, after that ankle surgery, the guy gets carted off the field. His foot's pointing the wrong way. First game back, almost nothing in camp in preseason. And guys are diving at his legs and feet. He's getting hit. And he's standing in the pocket tall, just drilling accurate passes. And that just it just shows you. I mean, there was there was zero rattle to his game when he came back. I think he is as legit as legit can be. I don't think he's a top three or four guy, but he's really good. He's in that next tier uh, before we get to the Dallas defense. Uh, tell us about BetUS, Greg. Of course, we got the Cowboys Pats coming up on Sunday, college football on Saturday. A lot going on right now. The NBA about to start in a week. The NHL just started. Plenty of options at BS uh, at uh, not BSJ. Plenty of options at BSJ, but also plenty of options at
1: Bet US. Did the Bruins field a team this year, or are they just gonna like? Uh, were they just like left off the schedule? Like, what's the deal? <laughs>
0: Saturday, like they're <laughs> dropping the puck on Saturday night. It's like what. <laughs> What are we doing here? Like
1: <laughs> all these games are going on in the in the Bru- Bruins. It's like one of those like memes. Like it's like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, like looking around the room. Like, Did anybody invite us? Or what's the deal? But um, of course, you also can bet the ALCS at betus.com. Our Red Sox are opening up Friday night. Should be a great series. And how about that schedule, Nick? Friday. Saturday off on Sunday. So we don't even have to worry about it. We can just worry about football on Sunday. Thank you, MLB, for doing something once right in your lifetime. But listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports, sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back, so is baseball. The postseason, when it's really the only time that we care about baseball, is back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, and they do have everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports. You know cattle's weirdo sport of choice that he likes to watch and tweet about and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than bet us join now, check out the offers and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at bet us. And so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Make sure you enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com where the game begins. And by the way, Nick, we're going through codes and stuff like that. Remember, BSJ at betus.com. You know, can can some of our, you know, loyal subscribers like give us, you know, a, some more ratings, some more reviews over at the podcast. I was perusing the other day. It's been a little bit of a dry spell for you know some reviews. So, you know, go in there. That helps us out, helps out the podcast. We were just nominated for an award. I don't know what award it is. Neither do I, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but we'll let, we'll let you guys know so if you if you need to vote on it or anything like that. Uh we we're, we're excited about that and thank you for your patronage and uh we we appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Rate and review and again bet US BSJ up to 200% in bonuses. Dallas defense Greg, what do you see on the film?
1: Fast. Nick, I uh, uh, you know, I'm very impressed with, you know, how fast they are. Um I I was not prepared to see that uh you know i and the thing is they've been playing well and they don't even have you know lawrence the the defensive end i mean he you know demarcus lawrence is one of the best players in the league at his position they had him for one game 43 snaps total and so they've had to get creative like they've had you know micah parsons who is a rookie selected 12th I think we I, I think we talked about him often in the draft process, including I think he was my at one point, I don't know if it was that day, he was my projected pick for the Patriots. That I thought that if he got to fifteen or he might be a guy the Patriots thought about moving up a little bit for, that it would be Micah Parsons because I just think he would be, you know, and look at it now. You know, not really much in the middle of this, the the linebacking core for this team. I mean, Jawan Bentley's in a contract year. Dante Hightower's in a a contract year. Didn't start playing well till last week. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is not the same guy, at least right now. Um, You know, if if you had a guy like Micah Parsons in the middle, I was, my preference was to go Micah Parsons first and then trade up to get Mac Jones. In the bottom of the first, that was my preference or possibly a Davis Mills later. But Micah Parsons is just, the dude is fast as hell. He's big. He's played defensive end. He has not done that. So he did that. Week two, he played 39 snaps at at defensive end. Uh, That was almost all of his snaps. 33 of 37 were on the defensive line in week three. Week four, that changed to 16 out of 68 he played on the end. Uh and last week he only played three snaps on the end. So he's back at linebacker uh for the Cowboys, but they have speed all over the place. Uh Trayvon Diggs, Stefan's little brother, has you know he leads the league in interceptions and he's got great ball skills. Of course, they they say all cornerbacks are failed wide receivers uh because they don't have the hands to be wide receivers. Um, he does have good ball skills, but he does, he's, he's a bit boom or bust. Like he does give up plays. He's not, he's not a shutdown cornerback. I would not be afraid of him. Uh, you don't want to get stupid with the ball and Mac Jones doesn't want to float any balls in his area because he will pick them off. But, um, I think that the Cowboys are, are really good. I think they're, they're pretty weak on the defensive interior. So I would like to see the Patriots run the ball this game, but you know, we'll have to see how that all works out.
0: Yeah, I mean, Parsons, like you said, had been moving around. He's a little bit more steady now at linebacker the last couple of weeks. I I do think he might be a little bit vulnerable in the passing game. I I think you can take advantage of his aggressiveness at times because let's not forget, he's still kind of learning the position, which is crazy. In two or three years, if he continues this this kind of trajectory, he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the game, if not the best linebacker, if he keeps doing what he's been doing because he's only been playing for a couple of years. He sat out all last year. He opted out at Penn State. So he's just very talented, but I do think you might be able to hit him a couple times uh, with, with, uh, with the passing game. Diggs, I think, is, is good, if not really good. He's kind of climbing up the charts as far as cornerbacks. He does give up a play or two, but he, he's really tough. And you mentioned it. This defensive line has been surprisingly good. When Demarcus Lawrence went down, I said, oh, man, this defense is in some trouble. You know, the defense wasn't supposed to be very good to begin with, and now you lose Lawrence. But Dan Quinn and company, they've done a pretty good job of supplementing that defensive line, doing some different things. I don't think this defense is a top-notch defense. I think they're better than expected, so there's some hyperbole surrounding this defense. They do have some guys that can play, though, and that are fun to watch. All right, so we take a look at this Cowboys team. We've broken down offense. We've broken down defense, big picture. Greg, if, if you're walking in as Bill Belichick on Sunday, how do you think you can beat the Dallas Cowboys?
1: It's a really good question, Nick. And I think you know, first of all, you have to start with all right. We how are we going to limit them point wise? Because we know that the Patriots, as of right now, they don't really score to uh, you know a high clip, right? Um, you know, you're hoping to keep the the game in the 20s. How do you do that? I mean, I think, I think you play a lot like you did against Tampa. I think you try to play a lot of ball possession um you know I think that when you look at defending the Cowboys defense you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you're gonna have to to stop the run first of all um but you also don't want to give up the big plays I, I think and the problem is I think you're just gonna play I think you're going to play a lot of zone in this game. I think you're going to get you're going to be conservative in the back end. I think you're just going to try to not give up any huge plays in the passing offense because the problem is against a guy and this is where the Patriots run into problems is because they want they for years, I don't know, 6 7 years running now, they've been predominantly a man cover team. But if you man cover a guy like Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen, you know, guys who, as soon as they see the, the the defensive backs or linebackers turn around to go into man coverage, they're just going to take off and run, and so you have issues now. I do think having Jamie Collins back helps because in the past the Patriots have used him as a spy against these type of guys. I wouldn't say it's gone well. Uh, he's been one of the guys used against Deshaun Watson. I don't like to get into the whole spy thing because then now it's now it's a one on one game and. I don't think many people are beating Dak, even though Dak's not a big run guy anymore, you know, especially after the ankle. He wants to throw from the pocket. He yep. wants to be a pocket quarterback. So I think you let him do that. But I think you you play conservative in the back. You just try to stay over the top. Um, you might even go to some cover three and stuff like that. He'll pick you apart in the zone. I know that. Um but man, it's the alternative. I I think you're just trying to make them go 12, 13, 14 plays down the field, as 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 best as you can. But it, it's it's very difficult, and you know. So I think for the Patriots, a lot of this is going to be on the offense. I think that you know while Dallas is fast, while they are explosive on defense, and they turn the ball over. I think they have 13 turnovers this year which is almost unheard of for them, you know, in recent years, they wouldn't get 13 in two or three seasons. Yeah, that's season one, Yeah, and, and forget 13 in five games. Huh. Um, you know, they have to take care of the ball. Mac has to take care of the ball better this week. Throw some balls away if you have to. Do not throw into coverage if you're under heat. And I think that they're going to have to – I think they can run the ball in this game. It would be nice to see that come back a little bit more. Um, But I think Mac's going to have to play ball control, short passing game, and try to take some shots when needed. And I think that Josh McDaniels and company can figure out, all right, we'll be able to get a couple shot plays because the Cowboys do give up some big plays. So I think the Patriots need to – Josh McDaniels needs to be on his shot game this week.
0: Defensively, I think you'll see a lot of what the Patriots have done against Patrick Mahomes in the past. What we saw, as you mentioned, with Tom Brady and Tampa, I think Belichick is going to force this team to execute consistently to score their points. He's going to say, listen, if you're going to kill us, you're going to kill us death by paper cut. You're going to have to have these 10 to 14 play drives, these time-soaking drives that you have to execute consistently or you're not going to score on us. I think that's what he's going to force. He's going to force the patience from Dak, like he forces patience from Mahomes, and he forced patience from Brady at times on Sunday night a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, you mentioned this. They have to limit the run. They have to limit the big plays. They have to be disciplined on defense. That's the word I keep coming back to, discipline. You can't get caught up in some of the misdirection, pre-snap motion that Kellen Moore does. You can't bite on one of these trick plays and give up a 60-yard bomb. You have to be disciplined. I'm talking to you, Devin McCourty. You know, You've got to be able to make sure that you get back and not give it up. So limit the run, limit the big plays, force them to execute consistently for all four quarters. And for the Patriots offense, I think you can run the football as you mentioned, Greg. I also think you can attack these linebackers in coverage. Yeah. I would love to see the running backs out there uh getting some action in, in the passing game. I would love to see the tight ends, especially John O. Smith, Hunter Henry. These are the kinds of games that they're paid for. that, you know, Dallas doesn't have great safeties. Parsons is still young. He's he's going to make a mistake or two. Leighton Van Der Esch is okay. But I think you can take advantage of this team in the middle of the field and down the seams. This should be a game where Janu Smith and Henry show up. And if Henry plays as well as he did last week, that'll be a great sign. If Janu can look alive for all four quarters, that would be good. But I think that's how you have to approach this game. All right, before we give you our pick, quick two-minute drill. No more than a minute on each of these, Greg. Your thoughts on Darrell nice. Revis saying that the Patriots success is one hundred percent Tom Brady.
1: I and I look, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's it's Revis. He's a mercenary. He was here for a cup of coffee. He got his he came what he he he, he accomplished what he came here for, which was he got paid decently for one year. Uh, he was able to uh, earn back his title as best cover corner in the league. He got a big contract out of – was it the Jets that he went to next again? Oh, I think it was.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: And he got a huge contract out of them. He got fat. He got happy. He cashed out, and he was done. Uh, <laughs> I think he made it – I think he, he ended up in Kansas City for something. I don't know. He did. He did. But, uh, you, you know, look, it it's not surprising. Darrell Rivas is one of the. Darrell Rivas is Rivas, Inc. And so he all – he his whole business plan is the power of the player. Uh, he thinks that the players should make all the money. I mean, I'm not saying he's wrong, and he he successfully engineered it so that he was basically his own sort of you know team in terms of every year he got paid top of the market. For year upon year, he was the first player to really do that. So, of course, he's going to say that Tom Brady, it was 100% Tom Brady. He doesn't want to give any teams, any coaches, anybody any credit. He thinks it's the players like himself who make all the money in this game and should get all the money in this game.
0: I just find it fascinating and kind of funny because by saying it's 100% Brady, he is, you know, pretty much crapping on his own impact. He, if it's all Brady, <laughs> it's all the offense. Yeah. If it's not Belichick, it's not the defense. So apparently, Darrell Rivas, you didn't have as much impact as we thought you did winning that Super Bowl. So congratulations. Uh, maybe you should just give your ring to Tom Brady. Uh, Owenu, back at practice today. What do you do with him on Sunday?
1: Great question. I need to see what he looks like in practice this week. I mean, I think it, you know, so uh, when who's back, when is not back, um, Trent Brown is on IR. Yep. Shaq Mason. Was he back? Uh, I'm looking at the, I think the only guy Shaq Mason did not participate on Wednesday. He's still dealing with his abdomen. So that's not a good sign for him being back. Uh, I think probably, I think, all things being equal, and he practices fine, and he didn't have COVID, and he doesn't have any issues with that. I think for this week, uh, he goes back to left guard. I think you put Ted Karras in at right guard, uh, and I think that, you know, I think that you look at the same tackles again. I think Kajust on the right side. I think Haran on the left side, and you know, you go from there. I think that those those guys, Haran had a really good game last week too. I think that those guys earned uh, another look. Josh McDaniels did give them a lot of help. He doesn't want to have to do that, but that's where they are right now.
0: Last one, we haven't talked about this this week, but it's the biggest story in the NFL. Any thoughts on the John Gruden slash WFT investigation and Gruden's resignation and kind of just the situation in Vegas and the fact that the NFL is saying, no, we didn't leak the emails and we're not going to share any more with
1: you. Right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, a few thoughts on that. Number one, Gruden had to go. I mean, you can't, while I don't, while I don't like that, his emails when he was basically a private citizen, which, you know, you think you should be entitled to some privacy, um, you know, that they got out. He had to go. I mean, what was in there was disgusting and, uh, nobody can really condone it and, and you certainly can't tolerate it. Uh, As a as a leader, you know, when you're a leader of an organization, a leader of men and, you know, not to not even to mention that Carl Nassib, who's on his team, came out as gay. One of the first, you know, players to do so in the NFL and for, for Gruden to use all that language in there. It's not certainly it's not unique to Gruden in the NFL circles. Trust me. There are a lot of Neanderthal older coaches in the NFL unfortunately, and those guys don't have to change because they're they're sort of inoculated. Um, My second thought on this is uh, it's unbelievable to me that the NFL gets to sit there and they have all these emails and they get to selectively leak whatever they want.
0: 650,000 emails.
1: It's it's ridiculous. I mean, who you know, he there's probably a lot of owner emails in there and like trust me, those guys are can be even worse than the Neanderthal coaches. Uh I think that uh you know, I thought it was interesting time. My first thought, Nick, when when the first leak came out about DeMora Smith, and that's that's when this whole thing started. I don't know if you noticed, but it was very interesting in the timing of it you know so to people unfamiliar and you probably aren't familiar with this because who the hell cares about NFLPA and union talk but demore smith was under assault yep in his union uh where it went to there was a there was a vote among membership about his he needed a new contract there was a split vote and uh it had to go to another vote the next day or else demore smith might have been out on the street right then and there and right around that time when he was embattled, they all of a sudden leaked these emails that John Gruden, the the Michigan, the Michelin tire, uh, the terrible emails, the racist emails. Uh, those emails were leaked. And to me, you know, I don't know this, but to me, reading the lay of the land, to me, those were selectively leaked by the NFL to garner support for DeMora Smith. I mean, once those came out, it's not like the NFLPA could just fire DeMar Smith. They would look Awful. like they weren't backing him. Yeah, yep. they would look terrible. And it was almost like the NFL orchestrated. They're like, well, we want DeMar Smith where he is. You know, as, we, as we're as we doing these sort of TV deals and things like that, we want DeMar Smith there. He's friendly to us. That's why he's under assault in his union is that. You know, a lot of players, including Richard Sherman, a lot of prominent players think that he made too good of a deal uh, this last time. So he was under assault for that. And now the NFL conveniently gets him at least in his spot for another year because of largely because of those emails. Uh, My third and final thought is I understand the outcry about like the NFL needs to do this. They need to release the, the emails. They need to do that. Did you guys not learn anything from Deflategate? (laughs) Like stop. This is not the real world. This is not government. There aren't sunshine laws. It's the NFL. They could do whatever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want it for you to stomp and say they should do this or that. They don't care. They are, they are going to do what's in the NFL's best interest all the time. And it's certainly not leaking more emails about their owners or prominent players or prominent coaches that they want in the league. They're not going to do anything. So just stop your huffing and puffing because it ain't going to change.
0: Two thoughts on this. You said most of how I feel, but uh, just to to drill down on the, the timing of it, not only was the Friday timing, you know, entertaining, <laughs> but then they, they, so they leaked the emails about Gruden, the first set of emails that were like, Hey, Gruden's a racist. All right. So they, they leaked that out and they, 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 Pretty much show the world that that Gruden is a racist. That's on Friday. You go through the weekend. The Raiders don't do anything. They decide to just kind of sit back because Mark Davis is one of the most useless owners in the world. (laughs) Gruden is pretty much the owner in in Vegas at at that time. So everybody just kind of sits on their hands. They don't do anything. Gruden goes and coaches on Sunday. And it's almost like the NFL said, all right, so we leaked the first couple of emails Showing your head coach and shot caller as a racist. You guys didn't do anything about it. We'll give you until like Monday close of business. If there's nothing said or done to John Gruden, then we're gonna leak something else. You get through Monday, close of business. Nothing is said or done by the useless Mark Davis, and then the NFL's like, Okay, since you did not want to act on the racist card that we pulled on him, here is the evidence that he is also a misogynist. And he is also a homophobe. So there you go. There's the triple threat. Your head coach and shot caller is a racist, misogynist, and homophobic. And then the Raiders were like, okay, now we, now we got to do something. <laughs> There's no doubt the NFL leaked this stuff. There's no doubt they timed it out the way they did. It's the same way how they do the the, the the news dump on Friday, late Friday. And it's also the thing about this is that, again, this is the NFL passing the buck to the individual team. They're doing this to Houston with Deshaun Watson. The NFL doesn't want to move on Watson. They don't want to make any kind of decision regarding Watson, so they're kind of just staying out of it, and they give Houston the crap sandwich and say, you guys figure it out. So now Houston is paying Watson to not play and to be a distraction because the NFL doesn't want to come in and do much of anything. It's, it's the NFL 101. The last thing I'll say about this before we get to the uh, Pats Cowboys pick, what is scary about this, the angle that I don't think a lot of people hone in on, you have 650,000 emails, as we've said. What the NFL just did, in essence, was blackmail every single solitary person that has sent an email to Bruce Allen or Daniel Snyder or anybody else. You saw with Adam Schefter yesterday. If, If you report on something that the NFL doesn't like, Watch out if you have an email. If you are a coach that stands up against the NFL about something, watch out if you have an email. On and on and on. The NFL now has a treasure chest of 650,000 emails. They have the leverage on you. If you cross them, you might be the next John Gruden. Let's get to the uh, game pick here. Uh, Of course, BetUS is line. Patriots getting four and a half points. What do you think, Greg? now
1: four. It's It's now now four.
0: four. Okay, so four points.
1: Yeah, it's now four. In most years, Nick, uh, and maybe later on in the season, I would feel better about it. I just think that even if the Patriots keep this game somewhat close, and I think that they will, I just think, like say the Patriots take a lead or something like that late, again, I think we're going to be in another situation with, can the Patriots' defense get the stop that they need? Uh, They're 0-3 for so far this year in doing that. Um, They didn't have to do it last week in Houston, and I was thinking, like, thank God. Thank God the offense ran out the clock in that game. So I I just don't – if it comes down to it, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys, even if they need it, I think they get a touchdown uh, to to win the game. I think that, to me, I think the Cowboys win uh, somewhere in the realm of three to seven points but I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Cowboys in this game
0: it's it's so tough because I I kind of feel the same way you feel and that happens a lot when we talk about these games but it you know when you look at it I, I think New England can keep it tight just like they kind of did with Tampa like they've done with Kansas City in the past I think they can do enough to keep this game tight it's just whether or not the mistakes come up. And it's whether or not this defense can, you know, keep them from scoring a a late touchdown or field goal uh, to kind of end this game. I I could see it be anywhere, like you said, from three to seven, I could see it from anywhere, you know, three to 10. Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas just because I think they're the better team right now. I wouldn't count the Patriots out necessarily. Not, you know, far from it, but I'll take Dallas laying the four points. Boston member question of the day. $39.99 Thirty nine ninety nine on the annual plan. Check out Mr. Bedard's great video analysis on the coach's film. Direct access to him in weekly chats. Again, check him out. Boston $39.99 annual plan. Question for today, Greg.
1: Yeah, uh, two quick hitters um, from our members. Lars59 uh, said, Greg, didn't Duggar play free safety at Lenore Ryan? This was in response to uh, my breakdown from this game where I talked about Duggles, uh, dougal's dougal's struggles Duggars struggles, <laughs> <laughs> Duggar's struggles. Uh, maybe that'll be in his old new old. thing maybe Douglas. we'll just start calling him Duggles on the podcast cuddles if for he Douglas. Keeps struggling yeah uh about his struggles and coverage and and you know and things like that i yes i think he did i don't remember but that doesn't really matter i mean it doesn't matter what you especially at that level um i'm surprised he didn't play like you know, defensive end at Lenore Ryan, Uh, you know, given that level, but it doesn't really matter. He struggles in coverage and he probably didn't have to cover a whole lot. He certainly didn't have to cover how the Patriots do. And the Patriots, I think the bigger issue is the Patriots are a little bit complicated in their coverages and he's having a little bit of issue right now. Uh, and finally, Emily224, one of our great members, she's always asking questions. And in the comment section. Uh, She said, Mac being upright during this game was nice. Is this backup line really worse than the starting offensive line? Uh, When the Patriots' offensive line is healthy, starting offensive line, yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't, they have so far this year without Trent Brown. I mean, you put Trent Brown out there, it changes the equation. Uh, Even with Isaiah Wynn, if he's struggling at left tackle. I mean, but there's no question you put Wynn, Owenu, Andrews, Mason, and Trent Brown out there. That is a much better unit than we saw last Sunday. They they did a good job. It was a bad defense. McDaniels did a great job scheming it up to make them look better than they were. Uh, but yes, you need your starters back. The Patriots need that offensive line to start dominating games. They haven't come close to that yet. And if they don't, they're not going very far this season.
0: Cowboys, Patriots, 425 kickoff on Sunday. Should be a very entertaining game. Go Red Sox. They start tomorrow night. They got Friday and Saturday night. Then they're back on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if necessary. So go Sox. Enjoy your sports weekend. Be safe. Be good. We'll be back early next week to review the game between the Pats and the Cowboys. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast, Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years.